This podcast may contain strong language, references of a sexual nature, and bad advice. When you've been cooped up indoors, and quarantine bites, it's time for Agony Art. Lockdown lights. Welcome to Agony Art, the Agony Art podcast in which we try to solve your problems, not by offering actual advice, no sir, but instead <laughs> by telling you how those problems were solved in the great art of our age. And while we can't guarantee we'll solve any of those problems, at least you'll be left with a fun reading, listening and watching list to enjoy. My name is Aaron. No, no wait, it isn't. My name is Liam. The <laughs> listeners have spoken and we are rotating the hosting duties. I am Liam, an amateur musician and occasional listener of albums. And I have Aaron, our languid literary liaison, and Carl, our oh. magnificent movie maverick, here with me in our online studio on the World Wide Web. Say hello, gents. Hello. Aaron's, like, reeling. Is this like, um, episode feeling a bit awkward to you, Carl? I, I'm not sure I like <laughs> it, but I feel like Liam is, shit like... shit so far, isn't it? <laughs> well, I don't know. Liam I'm only joking. Hello, Liam. He pulled out the stops there, and it's like he he laid you down and shit right on your face. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that is the big question, though, isn't it? Uh, Aaron, now that the listeners have spoken and it's clear that nobody really likes you, will you stay or will you go? <laughs> uh, listen, I can take criticism as well as the next man. I thought you were going to go with, it's you, Liam. Congratulations. Enjoy the hosting. It's a sad <laughs> little life. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to have to, for people who haven't heard that, or seen that rather, we're going to have to include a link now in the uh, in the notes. Yeah, that's a good point, Liam. Are you gonna? Um, are you carrying everything on your shoulders now? Are you gonna put together the episode notes? No, gonna... we did not agree to that. I'm doing hosting only, and you're doing all the work still. Yeah, not if you want to see an episode complete in the next. Ready to air. <laughs> yeah, I am pleased for you, Liam. I hope that it goes well. That's all I want to say. You, you carry on. That was very passive aggressive. Anyway, prick. <laughs> Before we begin, I want to make it very clear that we are not really here to solve your life's hardest problems. All of our submissions are certified 100% trivial or fictional pickles, and our advice should almost never be followed. After all, the biggest problem we've had to solve this week was how to nurse Aaron's bruised ego, and we couldn't even do that. <laughs> We're really like only that. here. <laughs> We're really only here to have fun. So if you're having a real hard time, I'd recommend visiting our website for guidance on who to turn to. That's agonyartpodcast.com. So, now that's out of the way, let's get on with it. Here is our first problem of the day. When I was a child, I was abducted by aliens. I know this to be true, because I have a vivid memory of it happening. The trouble is, when I tell anyone, they don't believe me. They think I'm joking. Even when I sit there with a straight face, insisting that I'm telling the truth. How can I convince people that I'm being sincere? I was going to ask if either of you have ever been abducted by aliens, but that's <laughs> probably... I can probably predict the response there. I've had an anal probe, but it was nothing to do with aliens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry about that, Carl. I just, I just wanted to see what was up there. <laughs> have you ever <laughs> met anyone who said they were abducted by aliens? No. <laughs> no. I think I don't really blame this person's friends, do you? Like, <laughs> if someone seriously said to you, no, I was abducted by aliens when I was a kid, it would be hard to take them seriously, wouldn't it? You'd be like, I mean, if it was someone you barely knew, 
you'd have to be polite about it. You'd have to go, yeah, oh, wow. But in your head, you'd be thinking, no, you fucking weren't. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's quite a hard one to empathise with, isn't it? Or sympathise with, even. Yeah, quite hard to disprove as well. Hard to disprove, Carl says. <laughs> <laughs> Prove that I wasn't. <laughs> but just just because they say it, it doesn't... Wait, sorry, let me start that again. Just because it sounds unbelievable, that doesn't necessarily mean that they don't believe it themselves, does it? So there's a bit of a... It might have happened. Like we're just assuming that it didn't happen. Well, yeah, no, we're not victim-blaming yet. Let's see how much we're victim blaming today. Who who wants to start us off? <laughs> Carl, what you got? Okay, so um this the first thing that sprung to mind was um an episode of the Frasier where he endorses like a um a politician and he's he really likes every time he talks talks to him, he like really likes his passion about policies, but then when he doesn't talk to him, he's talking about being abducted by aliens, and then it turns out that, like, Frasier really supports me, and he believes that I was abducted by aliens, and <laughs> destroys his credibility, but um, that's not what I want to talk about, because Frasier... Are you a Frasier fan? I love Frasier, yeah. It's one of those things that everybody talks about, a bit like Curb Your Enthusiasm, but I've never watched an episode, so, do you know what when, I mean? Like, incredibly popular things that... I don't think... Any show has done situation comedy better than Frasier. Oh, big statements. Yeah, watch Frasier, it's good. So, <laughs> I might have mentioned this on the pod before, but not use it as an example. Classic. Um, Independence Day from 1996, a film I know we all have seen and love, I believe. Oh, yeah. Jeff Goldblum for Aaron. Liam just loves anything <laughs> he watched as a child. It's the one where um, Will Smith plays the genie, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Never right, had yeah. a friend like me. <laughs> that's how he gets them to stop blowing up the White House. Yeah. So, uh, 1996, directed by Roland Emmerich. A subplot of the film is there's a character called Russell Case that pops up every now and again, and he's a bit of a nut bar. Like, um, he's a former um, U.S. Air Force pilot, and he and for years he's claimed to have been abducted by aliens. He's like a real down and out. People think he's an alcoholic. His family even think he's like a complete fuck up. Yeah, no one believes him, but you know it could be PTSD from combat. Maybe people think that at that kind of best. Um, so that's kind of bubbling away, bubbling under. <laughs> <laughs> Whilst massive alien crafts descend upon the planet, and they're hell bent on destroying some of the world's most famous landmarks, like the famous White House scene that Liam mentioned. The USA they make it their responsibility to save the planet, as they usually do, and they fire a variety of weapons at the ships. And there's one bit, and I cannot remember why they do this, but they get a helicopter and they just flash loads of lights at the ship, and then they just blow up the helicopter. I think they're trying to communicate, aren't they? Yeah, I think that was um, wasn't it Morse code they were trying to do with the lights? Oh, something like that, yeah. But come and on. they got some of the letters oh. wrong, and they actually said, "Blow us up, please." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, blow this helicopter up. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that happens. And then if you're following the main plot line, uh, Will Smith and Jeff Goldblum, they're going to give the mothership a computer virus and then nuke it. This is a little bit of an aside, but this is one of those films, the computer virus, is. this is one of those films where it's like, a blooding virus, done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That and then um, that they have in films where it's just a progress bar on the screen. This is exactly what it is, isn't it? And then on the on the alien screen, it's like a skull and crossbones going. Ho, 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 ho. <laughs> a lot like the other Jeff Goldblum film where he plays a similar character, Jurassic Park. 
where um that guy who steals the um uh the samples of dinosaur dna he inserts a virus into the computer system doesn't he and he's there's a v- animation of him going ha 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 <laughs> do you remember that no. yeah there's a i mean when you're when you're writing these viruses you have to meet certain standards don't you i think there's some uh, some proper organizations that that review it yeah no there's there's a certification board that you have to go through and they rate it on <laughs> effectiveness at stopping the computer system from working uh crackability <laughs> the virus has to be crackable at some point because otherwise the story can't progress and the third one is entertainment value <laughs> so you have to have some kind of animation <laughs> that... they, al- they also have th- an additional category for the loading bar because that, that's very important <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't fail the certification if you don't have a loading bar you just don't get promoted on like the store front page <laughs> It's, it's occurred to me that Jeff Goldblum wanders around with a laptop showing like a time, you know, time to them yeah, to blowing the up earth the whole is destroyed. Yeah, <laughs> with also a progress bar. <laughs> Where did you get that deadline from? <laughs> and also, they definitely did have Wi-Fi back then. Like, how's this laptop staying connected constantly wherever he goes? So they, the virus gets uploaded, they fire a nuke, they manage to escape against the odds. They have their victory cigars prior to escaping and they think, let's get home, blah. So this allows um, the people on Earth to like fight the aliens back. So the force field around the, the ships in the various countries are no longer active. Um, Russell comes in. They have to draft in all old pilots and stuff, even ones they think are absolutely batshit crazy. <laughs> and uh, Like how we've had to draft in new hosts. <laughs> <laughs> he's a loose cannon, but he's the best we've got. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Russell ends up fighting for the USA. And uh, it's not going too well. They're dropping like dropping like flyers in the command center you can see like airplanes going red as they get destroyed and things like that yeah but then russell screams hello boys i'm back and then he flies into like the nucleus of the ship and blows it up and so the rest of the world inspired by the heroic usa who's defeated the aliens they also defeat the ships that they're in their countries respectively and all because and look russell crane was right about the whole thing you know he was abducted by aliens and he defeated the aliens. So what I would say to you is if this truly happened to you, just wait it out because you'll get to prove it at some point. <laughs> when they come back to claim the rest of us. Yeah. You can scream <laughs> up yours and anal probe them. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose um, what, that is interesting. Is one way you could spin that is, is how important is it that people believe you? If you are self-assured about the truth of it, does it? how much does it really matter whether... You know, you don't necessarily need to go around convincing everyone that you're right. Yeah, I would agree, Liam. And that leads me on to my point. There's a little known author called Aaron Kane Heinemann. And he has a short story collection called Removed Without Warning, which you should read. Is this allowed? (laughs) (laughs) This is what the whole podcast has been building up to, (laughs) me. Me promoting one of these books. <laughs> in one of the final stories called The Sleepwalker, the protagonist regularly wakes up in strange places, in various states of undress, and with only cloudy memories of what happened to him the night before. I'm going to quote the story because I can, because I own the copyright. It would come back to me like all the other times had, in drips over days and weeks, flashes of blinding light. That heavenly weightlessness, the memory of total serenity, then darkness. The fingers on me, 
so bony and cold, bulbous at the end like teardrops. The operating table, grey men, heads like giant eggs, black eyes as big as human hands. The way they stand around me, talking with their tiny mouths in a language that makes my skin crawl. The ties on my wrists and ankles. The probing. <laughs> now, wow. we've got the clickbait headline for this podcast, and it's something along the yeah. lines of probing me, reading probing you, genuine, uh-huh. <laughs> genuine or fucking. <laughs> no, not, yeah, not probing true. me, probing you. <laughs> <laughs> probing me, probing you. <laughs> <laughs> there is nothing we can do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is our first celebrity guest. It's a shame that I'm not a guest. <laughs> or a celebrity. <laughs> that is true. Uh, now, obviously, this man is being abduct- abducted by aliens. But he can't tell anyone the truth about his experiences or they'll think he's mental. So even though he's travelled hundreds of miles in a single night, wakes up in a field in the middle of nowhere, nowhere near his home. He thinks that the most convincing lie he can tell people is that he sleepwalks, because they're far more likely to believe that than believe the truth, as you've found out, listener. So, while it's not ideal, as Liam said, maybe it's not worth trying to convince everyone that this has happened to you, because they're never going to believe it. And it's not ideal, because you're not living your authentic life, and, you know... Um, being 100% truthful every day but maybe it's time to give up on all that and just make up a lie (laughs) (laughs) so Carl says wait it out Aaron says make up a lie I was going to give a slightly different take on it so there's one very famous example in music of a extraterrestrial contact um, which I think you could take some inspiration from so in 1972 David Bowie released his single Starman which tells a story of someone who is listening to the radio and picks up some interference, which they describe as hazy cosmic jive. And they become convinced that it's a message from an alien. And I feel like I'm about to lose a lot of respect from our listeners here, because David Bowie is one of those artists that has such a cult following. And I realise when looking into this that I, I really know very little about him. And I've not really listened to many of his albums. I know of quite a few of his singles and other songs here and there, but I'm by no means a super fan. So I started doing some reading, and let me tell you, it gets pretty weird. I don't, I don't know how familiar you guys are with Bowie. Uh, I like him a lot. I probably wouldn't know many album tracks, but I think he's he was great. I like various songs, including the Minotaur one, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. Um, Dancing in the Street with Mick Jagger is one of the best videos I've ever seen. Yeah, so that's about that's where it ends. It's it's a bit it's a surprising one that one isn't it because I always thought of Bowie as quite a serious artist and that video doesn't seem that serious at all. He strikes me as quite a fun guy though because yeah. um, he was in extras as well, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> chubby little yeah. fat man. <laughs> we, we watched that the other day actually. It's, it's it's really so funny. good. <laughs> so yeah, so in in 2016, Rolling Stone did an article on Bowie in the 70s and how he invented the character of Ziggy Stardust, basically. So, according to Rolling Stone, in the 60s, Bowie met with Vince Taylor, who, if you don't know, was a rock and roll singer. Um, He came to fame in, like, the late 50s. And he had a history of of drug abuse. 
And at the time Bowie met him, Vince Taylor was part of a cult and he apparently believed that he was an alien god on Earth. So Bowie, instead of trying to help him, he became very inspired by this and thought, I'll create a character, uh, <laughs> which he played on stage for the next few years. And that character was Ziggy Stardust. And, and it was all about the spectacle. So they did like a Ziggy Stardust tour. Um, it put on these massive shows and they weren't just music concerts. There's like a, a rough storyline to it. They had mad costumes, big theatrics and all this choreography. And here's a brief description of Ziggy Stardust, quoting directly from that Rolling Stone article. He's an omnisexual alien rock star sent to Earth as a messenger, advised in a dream by the Infinites to write the coming of a Starman. When the Infinites arrive, they take bits of Ziggy to make themselves real, because in their original state they are antimatter and cannot exist in our world, and they tear him to pieces. Where does this <clears throat> story come from? Uh, Rolling Stone. But this is... This is the character of Ziggy Stardust, apparently. This is the story behind it. So, This is canon. Yeah, this is canon. You might be thinking, <laughs> what relevance could this possibly have? And I was, <laughs> I was looking at... The thing is, when I was looking into the lyrics of Starman, I was on the website Genius.com, and if you don't know about Genius, um, the no notable thing about it is that you can annotate each line of the song and talk about what each line means and what relevance it mm. has with the community. Um, and in some cases, it's really interesting. The artists themselves actually put some notes on there to say this means that um, and people were like oh my god they actually wrote another song <laughs> um, so let me is give there you... some kind of verification that it was the artist and not yeah, just they... some bloke I don't know how they do it but they this have is like what a... it means <laughs> they have like a green background <laughs> when it's the artist and it's like verified by genius um, <laughs> so let me give you some examples for this particular song the very first, surf... the very first verse of the song goes didn't know what time it was the lights were low. Oh, oh. I leaned back on my radio. <laughs> oh, oh. Here's the analysis from Genius.com. The anonymous, soon-to-be aficionado human is so relaxed and mesmerised by the hazy cosmic jive emanating from the radio that he isn't even paying attention to the time. In this apocalyptic space and time context, the protagonist assumably becomes a superfan, an enlightened apostle-like narrator, omniscient, or at least observant, with regard to the mind-blowing nature of the oncoming, or then, earthbound, Ziggy Messiah. <laughs> Is that verified? Was that David Bowie that wrote that? <laughs> that was not David Bowie that oh. wrote that. And, and I was that starting, was, that I was was starting to wonder... Agniot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Liam contribute that contributed that this morning <laughs> and, and I did start to wonder at this stage is this the actual story or are some of the fans just taking it a bit too far this strikes me as someone who is so obsessed that in their spare time they're writing Ziggy Stardust erotica fanfiction <laughs> yeah. I want you to take your pants down Minotaur <laughs> so there's a penis waiting in my pants <laughs> so I went on a real journey when I was looking into this and at the end of it I thought Alright, I'm not a Bowie fan, but if this is what it means to be a Bowie fan, I'm pretty happy with not being a Bowie fan. <laughs> Did you um, ever circle back and address the problem the writers... Um... <laughs> no, yes. I got too distracted by the meaning of the lyrics. <laughs> so, if you ignore the ridiculous analysis on Genius.com, I think the message from Starman is quite simple, and it's this. If you want to convince people about your message about aliens, make it a nice one. If they don't believe... 
in hostile aliens, they're probably not going to want to believe in that. And that's, you know, you're fighting a losing battle there. But if you make a message about nice aliens, maybe they'll be more inclined to believe you. And Starman does this by saying, you know, he's not intentionally coming to meet us because he thinks he'll blow our minds and he actually wants us to succeed. And at the end of each chorus, his advice is really quite wholesome. It's let the children boogie. And, you know, I'd be happy to believe in a benevolent alien like that who just wants to see our children dancing and happy, wouldn't you? Do you think, um, well, exactly, I was just going to say, do you think aliens have been a victim of bad um, bad publicity? Oh, almost certainly. They need rebranding because abducting, also, like, you think abducting is kidnapping, it's a bad thing, it's a crime. What if mm. aliens invited me to a party? <laughs> <laughs> and then put me, like, because... They always seem to drop you back home again. That's quite nice, isn't it? That like, is true. They don't kill you. They always order you an alien Uber home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think we're being out of order to the alien. Maybe. There you go. Maybe we've reached the advice. Maybe you, listener, could act as alien PR. Rebrand aliens for us. <laughs> Tell everyone how enjoyable your experience was. And as Liam says, people will enjoy it because... They want to hear about happy aliens. Instead of abducting and probing, it's um, party and orgy. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to be the title of this episode. I want it to be probing me, probing you. Probing me? It definitely is. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Or is it more like, uh -uh. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that's a good place to end it and wrap it up on problem one. But... Before we move on to problem two, it's time for something a little different. So for this episode, I have prepared a little surprise segment for you both, which is a mini game show that I'm calling Name That Problem. Hit the music. You know in um, TV shows where someone loses their husband or wife to someone who's more exciting and new and they're bitter about it and if only they had just made more effort in the first place it wouldn't have happened to them (laughs) that's how i feel about hosting right now (laughs) (laughs) i'm losing this podcast to liam because he's coming all bells and whistles special listeners are gonna love it yeah special segments well aaron you've got a chance to make yourself feel a bit better because in this game (laughs) show i'm gonna pit you two against each other and you can you have the opportunity to wipe the floor with Carl. So I can at least be second best. <laughs> if Aaron wins, you never host again, Liam. <laughs> so if I hit... win, we end the podcast forever. <laughs> oh God. Carl bringing in the ultimatums. <laughs> so here's how this is gonna work. I'm going to talk through three clues to a piece of art that we have spoken about before on the podcast in the form of a fictional agony art submission. You two, as I've already mentioned, are playing against each other. If you think you know the answer, you can buzz in by saying your buzzword and take a punt. So you're going to need to think of a buzzword each. Cock! Fuck it. (laughs) You sure you want to go with those? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I feel like my game show is being sabotaged here, but okay, let's let's go. (laughs) I never remember your two examples, though. (laughs) Well, maybe this will encourage you to start fucking listening, Carl. (laughs) (laughs) 
So if you think you know the answer, you can buzz in by saying your buzzword and take a punt. But if you get it wrong, you will be frozen out for the round. The earlier you guess, the more points you will gain. And the person with the most points at the end of three rounds will win the show. Make sense? I'm up for it. I'm well up for it. Right. So here we go. Round one (laughs) for five points. I have been in and out of a few relationships recently that haven't been the most positive experiences. I thought my latest partner would be different, and initially, things went well. But the more time goes on, the less sure I am that they are the one. Okay, for three points. Don't get me wrong, I don't hate them, but there are a number of little habits they have that have been bugging me over time and don't exactly inspire confidence about our long-term future. Nope. Okay, when we get to one point, you're going to need to have your buzzers at the ready, because if you don't get it, then there's, I don't know, you've, you've just not been paying attention, I think. For one point, for instance, there are times when I think he cares more about his car than me. Fuck it. Carl. Shania Twain, that don't impress me much. Correct. Oh. Yes. One point to Carl. <laughs> that was difficult. Yeah, I think it's really because difficult. <laughs> because <laughs> we've a... spoken about, we've mentioned so much media on this show that uh, there's so much great content down. to sit through, isn't there? Okay, Carl. Leading into round two for five points. My partner and I have been separated, and I am rediscovering the joys of living alone. If I'm being completely honest, it hasn't been the easiest thing to deal with. And I thought I was just about coping, but recently, some things have happened that have made matters worse. Nope. For three points. Last week, I met with a few ex-colleagues of mine who I haven't seen since retirement. Initially, it was a nice surprise, but the more we spoke, the more our reminiscences reminded me of my wife's infidelities. At the end of our chat, one of them asked me to do them a favour, and I felt that I couldn't turn him down. I think you've overestimated your... Um... Our ability. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go for the one point. For one point. That's us <laughs> yeah. at the ready. <laughs> but now this favour has sent me spiralling further, and I've discovered that one of the men my wife slept with, who I'd previously considered a friend, was actually a double agent working for the Russian Secret Service. Cock. Aaron. Is it uh, Tinker Taylor? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's one all then going into the final round. It, I'm hoping this will be good for the listeners though, because they get to hear all the clues and they can feel smug about how they got it before you did. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> or they can all think, "God, he made this way too difficult." <laughs> <laughs> okay, one all final round. This does mean that we cannot tie. Round three for five points. I just can't seem to make friends. I've been doing a lot of soul-searching in the form of travelling lately, and no matter where I go, I always seem to anger someone. Nah. No. For three points. I've been trying to get around this by tracking down a few people I used to jam with back in the day, but even these journeys haven't been uneventful, and at times I felt like my life is in genuine danger. Fuck it. Some... I like this, Cole, because it sounds like you're saying, fuck it, I'll give it a go. Fuck it. That is what I'm doing. (laughs) Blues Brothers. Correct. Yes. (laughs) Well done, Carl. Commiserations, Aaron. So, final scores, 4-1 to Carl. How do you feel losing the impossible quiz, Aaron? (laughs) (laughs) Impossibly bad. (laughs) 
So, well done, Carl. On to problem two. I'm terrified of spiders. I always have been. But now that I'm an adult, the responsibility of removing them from the house often falls to me and I really can't cope. Can you help me face my fear? Do you two have any phobias that prevent you from acting like a grown-up? <laughs> <laughs> I used to be afraid of heights when I was a kid and I was sure that I'd got over it until recently we went to like an activity thing with a climbing wall and I got about two metres up the climbing wall and I was shit scared. I was, <laughs> I probably wasn't even higher than my own height. And yet I was looking down going, uh, I need to stop now. Do you remember, Aaron, um, a couple of us took you to that bridge over the motorway? To try and conquer your fear. Yeah, I do remember. It's not... <laughs> it's... It didn't help then, though. Uh, nah. I mean, I can walk over motor- motorway bridges like that without feeling terrified now. No, it did work, but, um, You're welcome. Yeah, sort of. This applies to you, though, doesn't it, Liam? You're scared of spiders, aren't you? Yeah, I, I was... To be honest, I was one of those kids who was scared of pretty much everything. Um, but no, yeah. I mean, this does, uh, this does hit quite close to home because I am still afraid of spiders. And it is, it is a phobia. Because I know that they can't hurt me, but that that fact just doesn't help when I'm in the moment and I'm kind of sweating and feeling on edge and can't you know shaking, my, and not being able to concentrate. My wife's scared of cockroaches, um, and when she sees them, she completely like shuts her body down, and you don't know what's going on with her. So like, on our <laughs> on our honeymoon, she saw one on the floor in the bathroom, got in the sink and just like curled up into a ball and wouldn't talk. And I was like, and I hadn't seen this. I was like, what's going on? What is happening? <laughs> My wife's shutting down. <laughs> what did I do? I pressed the wrong button. <laughs> um, that's quite a convenient fear to have, though, I reckon, because you don't see cockroaches that often. No, it's always on holiday when you're meant to relax. Yeah. I think, I think what I would say to, oh, we need to think of a name. What about Miles? Miles Morales, yeah. Everyone's favourite Spider-Man. I think the thing we've got to understand from Miles is what sort of spiders is he scared of? Because I think it's perfectly reasonable to have a fear of poisonous tarantulas, for example, if you live somewhere where they are likely to come into your house. Um, whereas if you're in the UK and they're just house spiders, then maybe that's a bit more irrational. Yeah, or spiders that are members of pyramid schemes. <laughs> they're always messaging you on Facebook saying, do you want to buy these nutritional shakes? Or do you want to join my downline? Does that happen That's to you a, a lot? Perfectly rational fear. <laughs> hey, um. <laughs> Coming in, hostess with the mostess. What have you got? So I've got some advice from the music industry. Pre-warning, it's not that helpful. And I've also got some advice from real life, um, which might not be that helpful either. But let's see. <laughs> so the advice I found from the music industry was pretty simple, and it's facing your fears are a bad idea because your fears are insurmountable alone. <laughs> Nowhere is this emphasized more than in Michael Jackson... Oh, fuck, I've done it again. Michael Jackson. <laughs> you'll, never, you'll never get me to talk, Michael Jackson. <laughs> I don't expect you to talk. I expect you to die. <laughs> <laughs> I think Michael Jackson might have missed his calling as a Bond villain. <laughs> and then when he gets shot... Ow! <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's after a whole scene of him like leaning one way or another dodging <laughs> 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 
So, <laughs> um, nowhere is this message of not being able to face your fears emphasised more than in Michael Jackson's 1983 hit single, Thriller, from the album of the same name. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah, I mean, everyone knows this, right? It's a bit of a tune. Some choice lyrics that will help terrify you from this are, no one's going to save you from the beast about to strike. There ain't no second chance against the thing with 40 eyes. There's no escaping the jaws of the alien this time. They're open wide. This is the end of your life. It's full of optimism. Um, the thing is, though, the more closely you listen to the lyrics of Thriller, the more it becomes apparent over the course of the song that Jackson actually has an ulterior motive, and he basically ends up saying, the only way you can escape your doom is if you give me a cuddle. And at the end of it, we actually realise <laughs> that they were watching a film all along. In short, I'm not really sure Michael Jackson Were they, though? Yeah, because then he, he turns got... to the camera <laughs> and he's got cat's eyes. And if you haven't seen the video for Thriller, where have you been? One of the greatest music videos of all yeah, time. It is quite the spectacle. It's been, been cancelled, though, isn't it? It doesn't exist anymore. What? <laughs> One of the greatest music videos that never existed. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, at the end of the day, I don't think Michael Jackson can really help here. So yeah, I thought a bit about my own experiences and, you know, I've already mentioned that I don't like spiders and it's def I definitely think it's an irrational fear. And uh, uh, over the years, I've read like advice from all over the place to, to find things that might work for me. And one, one thing that I have found is, I think the first step is acknowledging the fear and then making a real effort to kind of focus on the physical things. And I don't know, this might sound a little... But even just like concentrating on breathing, trying not to focus on the spider too much... I can get rid of spiders without looking at them, I've found, and that kind of chills me out a little a little bit. And and at the end of it, it it kind of it, the feeling I get reminds me of a line from Elton John's nineteen eighty three single, I'm still standing, where he says, I'm still standing better than I ever did, looking like a true survivor, feeling like a little kid. Cause at the end of it I'm like, I did get rid of that spider, but I still feel like a little kid for being as scared of it as I was. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. brief <laughs> breathe. Don't forget to breathe. Like, That's quite important in life. Blue Cantrell and Sean Paul. Focus on the physical things. Let's get physical. Let's get physical. Yeah, yeah. By <laughs> Olivia Newton-John. And stay standing like Elton John. Like Elton John. Maybe you're looking at it in the wrong way, though. Because a lot of media, such as Michael Jackson's Thriller, paint spiders out to be our enemies. But maybe you need to just focus on realising that they're our friends and they're really good roommates. They eat all the bugs that we don't want. They mind their own business. They're quiet. They never borrow your clothes or leave the toilet seat up. So <laughs> they might have too many legs and be a bit hairy and stuff, but friends don't ditch friends just because they're ugly, do they? Because I would have been left friendless years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I've got some oh, examples oh, oh. from... Is that because you would have ditched all your friends? <laughs> yeah, all of my ugly friends. <laughs> uh, so I've got some examples to show you that spiders are our friends. Charlotte's Web by E.B. White. Charlotte is a spider who befriends a pig called Wilbur and helps him escape the slaughter by making him famous so that the farmer will never kill him for the luscious meat he holds in his body. And <laughs> James and the Giant Peach by Roald Dahl. When the giant peach rolls into the sea and it's surrounded by sharks, 
Miss Spider makes the threads that help get James and his friends lifted out of the water by seagulls. And according to the mythology of the Gilbert Islands in the South Pacific, I believe, Naro, or Spider Lord, created the universe out of the body parts of a primeval being called Na'atibu. And you can read about that in Pacific Mythology, an encyclopedia of myth and legend by Jan Nappert. So, my point is, if it weren't for spiders, the universe wouldn't even be here. So, be grateful. But, if you really hate them, and those friendly spiders haven't persuaded you, then I would just get a cat. Because my cats (laughs) bloody love eating spiders. They will chase them around like nobody's business. Before we move on, what are the big spiders in literature? Give me some. Who have I missed? She loves Exactly. And any others? I think uh, maybe you two aren't big enough fans. I was going to say Ungoliath, but I don't know if that's what you had in mind. What's the Harry Potter one called? Oh, um, that's what I'm thinking of. What is the Harry Potter one called? Oh, God. Aragog. 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 So I was, I obviously deliberately avoided those. Are they not fuckers bit, or spiders? Yeah. Yeah, they're bastards. Aragog <laughs> literally says, ah, oh, you, you, you know Hagrid, my friend, but he's not here, so I'm going to eat you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I deliberately avoided mentioning those, but they deserve an honourable mention because I was trying to look up which one of them would win in a fight. <laughs> and I was trying to look up their sizes to see which one was bigger and the um shelob isn't described the size of shelob isn't really described properly so there's no way to really tell but if you if you go by the film she's massive to a hobbit but hobbits are tiny to men mm. so a big spider but not like you know you can probably give it a good punch in the face <laughs> well there is an answer that we have on the internet okay i've discovered a uh, a subreddit called Who Would Win? And it's filled <laughs> with hypothetical face-offs. And Aragog versus Shelob is one of them. Reddit says, Shelob by a long way. You Rylingo says, Aragog is old and blind by the time we see him in the Chamber of Secrets. Shelob takes this with ease. <laughs> <laughs> and s- since I was on that subreddit, I thought I'd look at some of the top posts of all time, and they are gold. It is great. Top one, 10 average-sized 12-year-old boys versus one average-sized American male. <laughs> Adult male, sorry. I'm going for the 12-year-old boys. <laughs> yeah, definitely. They'd be full of energy. An army of 50,000 12-year-olds hopped up on Mountain Dew and led by Alexander the Great versus 35,000 average 20-year-olds high on cocaine and led by Napoleon. (laughs) (laughs) That's too too close to call that one. (laughs) Exactly, and there's just one more that I wanted to call out. Napoleon has an entire hour to devise a battle strategy at defending Helm's Deep against 2,000 Uruk-hai. With the help of John Wick, MCU Black Widow, Legolas, 100 loyal polar bears who will do whatever he says, and Square SpongeBob SquarePants, does he succeed? Yes. 100%. <laughs> well, the top comments are, is it raining? <laughs> <laughs> uh. 
raining during the siege? If so, SpongeBob could continue to stay in his toon form for as long as it rains, plus 120 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I'll include links to all these because these are obviously contributed by just normal Reddit users. They deserve all the credit for this, so I'll just include some links in the show notes. So, so Aaron... But my point is, spiders are friendly. Yeah, so you're saying spiders are friendly, and I just wanted to give a little cautionary tale, because one thing I didn't mention is the the reason why I have... Well, one of the reasons why I have such a hard time getting rid of spiders is because I don't like killing them. Um, it, it just... It irks me when I have to kill something to get rid of it. So I usually try and, like, you know, put them out in the outdoors or something like that. Um... And so one time we had this smaller spider in the kitchen on the ceiling and my wife and I looked at it and we said, oh, it's not hurting anyone. Let's just leave it there. Uh, so we left it there, went to bed. The next morning we woke up. There were, not even exaggerating, at least 50 baby spiders crawling all around the kitchen ceiling. She'd laid eggs. <laughs> and <laughs> What, your wife? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and we ended up being late for work because we were clearing out all of these spiders from our kitchen. So <laughs> I would say probably err on the side of caution and remove them from the house if you're not sure whether they're pregnant or not. <laughs> <laughs> Just because there were loads of them, though, that doesn't negate my point that they were friendly. Yeah, They might have all been friendly. Yay, it's Liam, he's got up. Oh, wait a minute, he's got a glass. Where are you taking us? No! <laughs> I mean, if you're happy to live with 50 spiders in your kitchen, then sure. <laughs> um, I'm going to keep this short and sweet. Is that it? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for your contribution, Carl. <laughs> um, we've got a lot of content there to sift through. Um, I would just take some advice from uh, 2011's The King's Speech, directed by Tom Hooper. Not nothing to do with spiders, but facing your fear because of necessity. There's uh, George the Sixth. Um, he unwittingly becomes king after the abdication of his brother Edward the Eighth, and he's got a crippling stammer. And he had one engagement when he was the Prince of York, um, Prince of York to or Duke of York, sorry, uh, to make a speech, and it was disastrous because because of his stammer. And so he sought help, like I think Liam mentioned earlier, seek help, don't face it alone, um, in the form of Lionel Logue, an Australian feature therapist. And uh, stuff happens during the movie. Um, It finds out that the king doesn't stammer so much when he's passionate and angry, which uh, Lionel kind of probes him by sitting on the throne during just before the coronation. And yeah, by seeking help, he finds coping mechanisms. And there's a really famous scene where he just like swears a lot, goes like, fuck, fuck, bugger, bugger, shit, like something like that, to warm himself up. And he delivers a, um, a rousing speech to rally the nation after wars declared on Germany. So, um, Was that a rousing speech? An arousing speech, yeah. You've had six orgasms and all of them belong to me. Your king. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, yeah, he sought help. He knew that, basically, he knew that he, had, he couldn't give in to the fear. And the issue, he had to get over it, and he sought the right help and got the right people, and necessity. It was necessity. So you have to get rid of spiders. You got to, you know, it's part of your job as a responsible adult to find ways to cope. <laughs> Did I ever tell you about my nan's review of the King's Speech? No, no. <laughs> strangely, it's not come up. She said, <laughs> she said to us, she didn't like it. There was too much bloody stuttering. <laughs> <laughs> so I, th- I think she might have missed the point a bit there, but. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I think we're wrapping up problem two there then. So you can listen to Aaron, who says spiders are friends. Uh, if you leave them be, they'll presumably do your washing for you or something. You can listen to some of my suggestions and see if any of those help for you. Or you can listen to Carl, who says get help, don't face it alone. Probably that's the best advice. Yes. So there you go, Miles. Hope that helps. And that's about all we have time for today. So check the episode notes or agonyartpodcast.com to find links to all the media we mentioned today and for a link to the Agony Art Spotify playlist where you can listen to all the songs. If you have a problem you'd like us to attempt to solve, you can reach us on our group Instagram and Twitter accounts. That's at Agony Art Podcast. Or on the submissions page on our website. I'd like to thank our resident Agony Arts for their contributions. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks, Carl. You're very welcome. <laughs> and thank you, dear listener, for taking the time to listen to us. We'll be back next week with more problems to muddle our way through and more entertainment for you to check out. We'll see you then. Bye. See you later. But I'd suggest keep it light Cause their advice can be shite And they won't be held liable Oh no, not at all Not here But Agony Art Agony Art Agony